It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Liam Bryce and today I'm joined by Kirsty Rorty and Andy Barge to look at all the latest goings on at Parkhead. On the pod today, we look ahead to the transfer window and discuss whether John McGinn is really a legitimate target for Celtic. After last week's ticket row, we ask how cutting away allocations will affect Celtic and Rangers games. And finally, we analyse Brendan Rodgers' comments on Celtic's prospects in Europe next season. So, folks, just to start off, uh, we've got a transfer window as this a big topic of the moment, um, opening on the 9th of June. And as it seems to be for ages, John McGinn's name has been linked with Celtic yet again. Uh, reports coming up earlier on in the week. And then uh, on the Daily Record website, uh, we had our Celtic blogger arguing the case that John McGinn is really not what Celtic should be looking for. So, just can we put this one to bed today? Is as uh, Kirsty, we'll come to you first. Is John McGinn the answer for Celtic in midfield? Do they really need him? Is he good enough? I don't think so. Um, I don't think he is what they need just now. I think it's an area they're quite saturated in as well. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's more in terms of his, his character, his battling qualities, his gallusness, that people are linking him as being a successor to, to, to Scott Brown. Um, but no, I don't think he has the quality. But what I would say is, if anyone can develop a player, it's Rodgers, and he's, he's he's earned that right. So if he really is interested in him, I could see him developing as he has shown that he has done with other players at Celtic. But for me, he's not the answer. Uh, what do you think that? See that that's this. I think both players have actually. You know, kind of shot it down themselves. Scott Brown and John McGinn. Where do you think that comparison? Where does it come from? Is it, is it just the battling qualities, or is it something else? Yeah, as I say, I do think it is more his more his character, um, and that he's um, he's left footed, and we've got Stuart Armstrong, and he's right footed, and there's um, maybe seen as having more of the Scott Brown qualities than others. But other than that, um, I don't I don't see it. Andy, what do you think? I, I think the, f- the fact that he's a Celtic fan adds a lot of weight to this. I, I don't think Celtic will sign him. I, I, personally, I don't think he's ready to be a Celtic player yet. But you've seen it before with self-confessed Celtic fans play elsewhere. Snodgrass has been linked before McFadden when he was leaving Everton. He was linked to coming to Celtic because they're fans. And I think he's a likeable guy. John McGinn, he goes about his game in a very good way. He's a good battler. Um, he puts himself about the park. And I think that is what... Kirsty's saying is, is right. It does like him to liken him to Scott Brown, but with terms of, in terms of what Celtic have got just now in centre mid with Brown and Cham Armstrong when he's fit, McGregor can play centre mid as well as well as out wide. I don't think John McGinn's better than any of them. So I think for us to even for Celtic to even consider signing John McGinn, um, one of them would have to would have to go. It's not the right time to start looking for a successor to Scott Brown yet. Um, he's still got another good few years in him and it would do John McGinn no good to come and sit on the bench he, he needs to develop his game 
whether it's at Celtic or elsewhere, um, I just don't think he's he's a man that can yet come into the Celtic starting eleven and do what's required at, at such a high level. Uh-huh, and yet it's like you were saying there that that midfield area is it's like the word you use there, Kirsty, is saturated. Is does mean that, I know there's maybe been a bit of speculation over Stuart Armstrong's future that he's maybe. Um, looking to move on there's been a bit of kind of seesaw over whether he's going to sign a new deal last year um, but do, do you think there is a way that John McGinn could force his way if it were to go through could you see him forcing his way into that midfield I can't no um, it would I think, and I think if he came in it would be an indication that people were moving on um, and uh, Stuart Armstrong has always been noises Sham he's I mean he, if he keeps going the way he's going he will be off and for a profit um, but Again, he's just not better than 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 what we have. Um, and then you've also got Ibui as well. And oh, yeah. Rogers obviously a huge fan of him, and yeah. as he said before, so it's he's not going to be going anywhere yeah. soon. You wouldn't think. No. Um, and young players that have got, I would say, more talent than than McGinn, and um, yeah, and they've still to develop for him further. So no, I, I can't see where he would fit in. And I feel like he would be if he was in, he'd be loaned out. You know. And it's not really, uh, just talking from John McGinn's perspective, is he, is he maybe going to look at it and think, well, Scott Brown's not going anywhere for at least the next yeah. couple of years? It, it would be, it, from, from his point of view, I know this is totally hypothetical, but it would be a, it would be a risk for, for John McGinn rather than yeah. him going to a side where he could, he could probably step in and be, again, the, as he is at Hibs, the main man. Yeah. His character's already been mentioning, he's a confident wee fella, but he's, he's got a lot to, to learn. He's still young. Um, and good people to learn off at Celtic, Brown, Armstrong, and the way that he uh, came on to a game um, in Rodgers' first season. But there's one thing learning off people in training and then another learning it on the park, and I'm just not convinced that he would get enough game time to, to further his development. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're, if we're talking about replacements for Scott Brown, maybe someday, um, but now I don't think it's... Uh, a realistic option for John McGinn and I don't think it's a suitable option for Celtic mm-hmm. and is, is there something as well and I think you touched on before is it just to do with the fact that he's, he's a young Scottish player and there is this kind yeah, of history of that there's a, a real big trend of this at the moment um, I think if John McGinn played in the English Championship people wouldn't rate him as much it's because he's kind of one of our own in Scotland and he's still playing his trade up here people I hate saying it but I think people are desperate to desperate to see how good he is and, and desperate to, to put him on a pedestal because he plays in the Scottish leagues whereas I think you've got players down south that we're getting away from the subject here but you've got players down south that I think are probably like Barry Bannon for example I would say he's just as good probably better than John McGinn because he plays in the English Championship people don't see him as much he's not really as highly rated about uh, spoken about or rated Whereas because John McGinn is up here, I think that people see more of him and therefore they're desperate to kind of say that he's he's at that level when, in fact, I don't think he actually is yet. And we saw that in the Scotland game the other night, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And just a uh, bit quiet in general, in the, the sort of Celtic transfer front, it's been a wee bit quiet. This only Obviously, Edward's sort of bubbling along kind of nicely. That's All the noises seem to be quite yeah. positive on that. We'll come to that shortly. Um, but just to touch on, there was an outgoing um, at the start of the week there, Alex Fiachenko, pretty widely expected that he was he was going to move on, um, but it's a, it's it's now sort of down a, a centre-back in the squad. Did, did, 
a lot of the talk on this podcast this, this season has been about Celtic at the back. Now, do we expect Brendan Rodgers, Kirsty, to, to go out and look for another centre-back during the summer? Because obviously Celtic have had their, had their issues there this season. Yeah, I expect him to strengthen and, I mean, you're arguably coming down too with Boyata. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely expect him to strengthen in that area. And it would really be nice to see Celtic prioritise that in the coming this transfer window next if it needs it as well because um, it's a dirty word at Parkhead it has been historically so that's where they really really do need to strengthen and expect them to but I think it'll probably be somebody again out of left field and that we've not really heard of you know and that we really don't have a lot of knowledge of and uh, somebody kind of different and somebody that they spot again potential in and bring bring in and bring through um, but yeah with um, Eric moving on definitely expect them to bring in another defender I think the fans will miss Svechenko. He's a passionate guy, and the fans love passion. Um, I don't think he was. I don't think he's worse than anything that Celtic have at the moment at centre back. I wonder though if his departure signals that maybe that finally Celtic fans will get to see a bit of Marvin Comper. <laughs> if he'll come in from the cold, uh-huh. or if Jack Hendry now is going to be prioritised. Ayer has just been given a new deal. Roger seems to like Boyata. I'm not sure why. Or <laughs> <laughs> where that comes from. But, um, oh, we've been over and yeah, over that one and nobody's been able yeah. to figure yeah. that out um, so yeah unless he's, unless the behind the scenes the scouting team and Rogers have got somebody in mind I wonder that if they're already planning to prioritise and push someone that's at the club yeah well uh, just coming back to it maybe assuming that there is maybe going to be somebody coming in and you said there yourself there, you'd think there would be somebody identified already because you, mm-hmm. they, 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 they sort of the big sort of issue and that you can kind of get away with it domestically for the most part but it's been in Europe that at the back that Celtic's sort of deficiencies yeah. have been exposed so if they're going to bring somebody in you'd think there's going to be a bit of movement on that sooner rather than later considering how soon the qualifiers do you yeah. agree with that do you think, think see something soon uh, yeah I remember last year Simonovic was touted for heading to Italy for four or five million and we all we said the fans all thought on oh, no chance and we don't let him go for that price and then Throughout the season, you kind of think maybe, maybe that should have been accepted. Uh, it was up to eight million at one uh, point, I remember. Money, money should, should that that kind of offer should have been accepted, and then the money put into finding somebody better. You know, it's it's been such a problem position for Celtic, and I, I can't see that long term, especially with a manager like Rogers, he can't surely surely can't settle for having Boyata, and then either one of Ayer or Hendry and Comper at the back. It needs to be better for European competition. And somebody with some experience, which we thought we were getting an incompare, but we've not seen enough of them, and that's been a really strange kind of episode. But um, but Yata as well, you forget, isn't young, he's 27, um, but he makes just you know far too many howling mistakes. Uh, so I'd like to see somebody with a bit of experience in there with uh, the younger guys that we've got, Henry Ayer, you know. Yeah, I think. really anchor, especially in Europe. Whatever centre back does come in if, if any do it's kind of going to be a bit of a watershed moment I think for Congleton because the last couple of signings haven't haven't been a great um, Musonda was a disaster Compers done nothing um, Celtic need a centre back and this is a, a big moment um, if one does come in it, it can't it can't be a centre back that needs a season to settle it needs to be someone that can just come in hit the ground running and improve the team these guys are hard to find these yeah. days aren't they you know it's kind of seem quite thin on the ground. Uh, at the other end of the park, um, we've got Odson Edwards, who really came into his own towards the end of the season. 
and as I said before, all the, the noises from Celtic seem to be quite positive, thinking that they're, they're going to get him in uh, full time. We've all kind of agreed on the podcast before that, uh, that it'd be a good signing. A lot of potential again there, down the line, resale value. Um, but just the here and now, you know, if Edward was to come in on a full time deal, then what do we, how does, how does that then affect... Um, the other two top strikers in the squad, we've got Lee Griffiths and Moussa Dembele. Does it, does Edward coming in a permanent deal suggest that? Do we think that Dembele is definitely going to be away this summer? And then, how does how does then that affect Griffiths? Who does is he going to be content again for a, a sort of more of a, a reduced role next season? I don't think Edward signing permanently would affect Griffiths' um, position as a, a squad member. I don't think I don't think if if Edward comes in, I don't think Celtic will rush to sell Griffiths, but Griffiths might become unsettled by it. I mean, Griffiths is too good to sit on a bench. Um, I think Dembele will be away, and that's why Celtic are pushing for Edward at the moment. I don't think um, Griffiths' future will be decided by the sale of Dembele or the signing of Edward from Celtic's point of view. But from his point of view, if Celtic prioritise Edward next season over him, then I think that might ruffle his feathers a wee bit and he, he might look elsewhere, which would be a shame because he's such an asset to the to the team and Scottish football in general. And when he, we've seen it with the national team, he, when he was brought into the Scotland team, he, was, he hit the ground running and because of his form at Celtic. You would have to hope he can replicate that elsewhere. And I think he's a perfect fit, to be honest, up here. Um, and it would be a shame if he's got a bit of a... I don't want to say cold states, but I don't know anyone that dislikes him. Yeah. Um, so it'd be a shame if it, if it that if he did have to move on, because um, personally I don't think that Edward's any better than him. It's just this it's kind of style of striker that Rogers seems to prefer. Prefer, Kirsty, what do you think if Celtic are to break their transfer record on Edward? How is, is Griffiths going to look at that and think, well, they're, they're paying that much money for him, then he's going to play, and then how would that how would that affect me? Do you think he could look at it that way yeah, at all? And be worried that he was just going to increasingly be used as a impact sub. Um, and I think again, if you're shelling out that kind of money, then Eduard, he's going to be starting. He's going to be. Yeah, but I'd be really, really sad to see Dembele go. I mean, from the over the season, Dembele Griffiths, Dembele would be my first choice each time. As much as I like Griffiths, but um, Dembele would be my first choice. But I'd be really sorry to see him go. And I think he needs another season or so with us. You think he should stay another, I think another he should, year? Yeah. I think he should stay. Dembele. Yeah, and, and develop further. I think he should. Yeah. Because I know he, he really he did look sort of back to his best towards the end of the season there, but it was very stop start for him. I think it's easy to forget how you know he, really, he was kind of really struggling around about Christmas time, wasn't he? Yeah, and some frustrations were creeping in with fans and stuff as well. He had injuries, but he's one of those when he comes back, he takes a right few games to get up to speed and to get back into it again. And um, there were some frustrations in some games, a kind of almost disinterested look at that kind of Samaris-esque, you know, like somewhere else, you know, but when he's, he's one of those that is really mood driven and you can see it in his eyes, he's on it and for the big games and he is an absolute menace and he's lethal so um, yeah, he's he's my favoured striker and yeah, I really hope he, he doesn't move on yet. Right, if we could just take things off of the park uh, for a couple of minutes to the great soap opera that is Scottish football uh, well last week Rangers decided to cut the away allocation at 
uh, Ibrox, which obviously has you know big knock-on effects for Celtic, and then Celtic responding with their own statement. What do we what do we make of this? How is it, how is this going to affect the fixture? Rangers are well within their rights to do that. Their priority should be doing whatever they can to beat Celtic and close the gap at the top. If they feel that more fans or more of their own fans in Ibrox for Old Firm Games is going to do that, fine. They, they're well within their rights to make that move. They can't do that and then not expect Celtic to do the same thing. So I think in first instance, Rangers fans, I've seen it all over Twitter, were really unhappy with the news that their club did this because they knew that Celtic were going to do the same thing and that was going to take away their away day at Parkhead so it, it works both ways now it's bad news for any TV deal I feel because you want to see both fans full of colour on, on Old Firm Day the telly, uh, the telly right uh, sorry the telly companies want that but it's not Rangers or Celtic's priority um, how the stadium looks on TV I, I, I don't I don't think um, the, the atmosphere, the atmosphere on Old Firm Day changes with the result, whoever's winning, losing, whatever stadium it's in. But if Rangers do, if when Rangers made the decision to to cut the allocation for Celtic fans, Celtic had no option really but to to do the same, and uh, it will affect the fixture in a negative way, in my opinion. Kirsty, do you agree? Yeah, I think it will affect the atmosphere, and you want as as many away fans in the stadium. It's such a Colourful, passionate, you know, um, derby that, yeah, um, cutting the allocation, I think it will have a negative impact on on the fixture. Um, and then it's kind of going to now degenerate into this childish tit for tat. Yeah. Yeah, where does it end? Cut, now, where does it end? Then, you know, Hibs, and it kind of actually started with Hibs, but then Hibs getting involved again will cut this, and then other teams are going to cut. And yeah, it's all getting a bit unsavoury. Because you know, one of the, 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 the biggest Sort of selling points of the derby is the atmosphere. So now we, you know, we can. It's entertainment, obviously, but it's you know you're not selling up on the way. You would El Clasico, the quality of football mm-hmm. superstars. You're selling it as this this huge occasion that's blood yeah. and thunder stuff. You're yeah. just kind of diluting that a wee bit by because I mean you see, it, it like El Clasico and the away team scores and it's just you know, yeah. it's, it's silence. There's there's hardly well, any. Two, two examples that I would I would use for that are obviously when Celtic score at the Celtic end at Ibrox like Edward last season or Sinclair the season before when the telecameras are right on it it does look great and then when like for example when Clint Hill scored the last minute equaliser at Parkhead the cameras are right there in front of the Rangers fans all the players run into their fans and it does look great from our point of view if you're at the game or not it, it is brilliant and the atmosphere is electric but is that what Celtic and Rangers, or well, Rangers in this instance, because it was their decision? Is that their priority to worry about that though? Do they should they not be thinking, wow, right, okay, we've got a new manager coming in, Steven Gerrard, and we need to do whatever we can to close the gap in Celtic. Celtic have got a bit of advantage by having that many fans at Ibrox Road from day, so we'll get rid of them, and hopefully that can help us close the gap. When Celtic hear that, obviously they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But from Rangers' point of view, you wonder if it's a decision that they've taken because it's obviously going to benefit them personally rather than the league as a whole. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, Kirsty, would you, you agree with that yeah, as well? Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can understand why it's been done and they're using anything to give them an edge and any kind of psychological advantages and, and looking at money as well for next season. The yeah. Gerard appointment as well is designed you know, to, to get to 
Celtic as well signing um, Rodgers' ex-captain. So they're doing anything they can to... Their priority is stopping 10 in a row, stopping Celtic, so you can understand why they've done it. More season tickets will be sold as well. But, yeah, it is going to have an impact on the game, especially when they are... You know, they feed off of that, that bitterness and that anger and that passion. So um, they're quieter than they used to be as well. So this is just going to further take a bit of more of the passion and mood down a lot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and just back to you know, Celtic specifically, the big thing obviously again next season is going to be getting into Europe um, and hopefully from Celtic fans' point of view making a wee bit more progress uh, on from last season. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has been talking this week about his, his take on it, his ambitions for Europe next season, and he's been quite, you know, he's been quite open and honest that he's he's been saying uh, that in terms of you know really competing at that level that Celtic are still, you know, so, so far off um, in terms of you know the, the the really the really top clubs, the big clubs. What do we, you know, does it? Ask, the make of those comments is there's a kind of acceptance among Celtic fans that it's just a different world at uh, that level, isn't it? I think I think there's a, an aspect of delusion among some fans that Celtic should be aiming to reach the last sixteen, but it's nonsense for me it, to reach the group stage as an achievement in itself. What Celtic did last season, although it was a relatively poor group stage campaign, they managed they managed to get into the Europa, and that's acceptable, more than acceptable for me at the moment. The, the quality of the teams in the group stage. Is phenomenal, and yes, Celtic have in the past taken teams on at Parkhead and even had a few away results. But these days, with the money involved that the elite clubs are getting, it's it's like it's it's like asking Hamilton Hackies or Partick to beat Celtic four times a season. That that kind of thing. It's 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 never going to happen. Celtic reaching the last thirty-two of the Europa and being able to put themselves against teams that are brilliant like such as Zenit but slightly down from those kind of Barca and Bayern clubs is more than good enough for Celtic fans at the moment I would think and Rodgers as well he talk, talk, talking about the Europa League there he's referred to it as almost Champions League 2 nowadays is it is that like even in that tournament as well could we see the, the sort of playing field continuing to you know, teams getting further and further away from each other. I think that the way it is in the Champions League, could you see that happening in the yeah, Europa League as yeah. well? The gap just increasingly widens for us from Europe, and it's all reversal for Celtic when they step into to Europe. Um, it's just really difficult to make an impact. I think all they want to do is just be as competitive as they can and minimise, like you know, not record thrashings, not records, you know, score lines mm-hmm. at homes, you know, because that does nothing for your confidence. Just being competitive, and then if you can maybe claim one big scalp, you're boosted for yeah. the rest of the campaign. Or if you do, then go into Europa or for the, your next stab at it next season. So, really, just going out there, being competitive and giving a good account of yourself. That's the best they can ask until they develop further. Yeah, the the seven nils need to stop. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think Celtic need to turn back the clock a wee bit not not so long ago especially under Lennon and Strachan Parkhead was an absolute fortress it's completely the other side of the coin now I really have no idea what's happened because it's not as if it's less noisy um, I wouldn't say the players are worse or, or anything like that I mean Celtic have still got a really good squad but for some reason they, they just can't overcome that giant at Parkhead anymore or even teams on a similar scale to them I mean I would, I'll make a comparison here between Andelect Although Celtic beat them away this season, Andelit outplayed Celtic at Parkhead, in my opinion. Whereas a couple of years ago, Benfica were getting beaten at Parkhead around similar times to 
Man United and, and Barca. That that needs to be an aim again to be able, like Kirsty was saying, to be able to just be competitive and not allow even the big teams like PSG to come to Parkhead and just roll over Celtic. Celtic aren't going to reach the last sixteen any time soon. I would imagine it'd be a miracle, but the thrashings need to stop, and uh, to be able to turn Parkhead into more of a fortress. We saw glimpses of it against Bayern Munich last season, where Celtic played really, really well. But again, just fell away when the pressure, when when Bayern turned up the pressure a wee bit. So, in my opinion, yeah, last thirty-two of Europa is a really, really good um, achievement. But the thrashings need to stop. Mm. Absolutely. Hopefully, though, if they do strengthen defence as we were talking about earlier that might help with making um, a fortress again um, but what we would probably need is a kind of scoosh Manchester United group we need to be that lucky rather than <laughs> one lucky with groups yeah. and uh-huh. stop meeting you know yeah, your PSGs and your, your Barca's uh-huh. that would be good So what is it now among Celtic fans do you think there was, there, is, there has been an element at times of you know well Celtic not going to win this competition so do fans would fans rather come up against the big guns and get those you know those big nights, or do they are they are they at the stage now where they're like, well, we, I think we could we it, could do with you know are we not getting the short straw yeah, this time? It, it, well, it wouldn't be a Champions League. It wouldn't be a proper Champions League campaign without a huge European name coming to Parkhead on our away day in Madrid or Barcelona, or whatever Munich. But it would be nice to have a team where. Where Celtic aren't the underdog, where we can, where like we had a, a group, Celtic had a group not too long ago where Ajax were in it and there was really battling games home and away because there was no favourite, like it was either team could win this. Yeah. And like last season, it's good to have a team like that in it where you think, right, okay, we're in with a chance here. If if we take four points off them, that could be it. So I think that's what Celtic need to hope for. Um, and and all the draws, there's always going to be an unbelievable elite team, then a then a team that's up there but not in the elite you know like mm-hmm. a, a Dortmund or something like that and then a team that um, from Celtic's point of view needs to be on their level or below um, so that they can aim to take four points off three or four points off them and, and get into the Europa League Yeah, Just to bring it back to uh, Roger's comments a wee minute Kirsty uh, he's, he's, he, he made that admission that you know Celtic were still miles away from being really competitive at this level but he was quite keen to say as well that you know that doesn't mean that I'm not fighting to to make improvements here, and we touched on uh, the home forum where Parkhead used to, as Andy said, that it was a fortress, and we were kind of th- thinking beforehand, like how how do they, they, they bridge that gap? Is the first is the first thing got to be uh, making Parkhead into that into that fortress again? Does that got to be the first priority? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because um, once you do that. Um, you know, you've got you've got much more of a chance of of, of progressing. Um, so it just has to make sure uh, it sorts out the defence for Europe. Um, that's got to be a big big priority. Um, and um, yeah, and keep nurturing the players that he's that he's got. Um, and I think they could develop, you know, like year on year. But um, it's extremely difficult for them. Uh huh. And. In terms that you touched on there, Andy, as well, about getting that more favourable draw, but it obviously becomes much more difficult when you are one of the sides in pot four, um, and we've got the, the season's barely ended, and we've got the Champions League qualifiers almost round the corner. Uh, reformatted this year, Celtic will have to go through four 
four qualifiers to get is this the hardest it's ever been to qualify for the Champions League with all these changes do we yeah. think yeah. four rounds is excessive yeah, for a team that wins a title isn't far it too much yeah it's not right I mean you're already disadvantaged so um, I think there's just made far too difficult yep. for us and it's unfair it's really grossly unfair yeah I'd agree um, Celtic are going to have to use a lot of squad rotation it's going to be so important um, in the qualifiers transfer window will be interesting um, if a centre back is brought in um, before the deadline if, if Celtic but if, it is har- harder than ever but if Celtic can, can reach the group stage it's job job done six Champions League games guaranteed and hopefully Money in the bank again yeah, hopefully more in the Europa League I mean, when we were talking about Fortis as well it's psychological now when you've come off the back of record beatings at home and that really doesn't help your players so if they can be a bit more competitive this season then over the like next few seasons or campaigns in Europe you're going to see I think them emboldened and more confident but because they've had such scalpings like it gets inside players' heads and I think there is now that psychological moment because there's, there's times and opportunities in games in Europe this season where they had opportunities um, but they weren't able to capitalise on them or they capitulated and, and you just see with like you know your sevens and all the rest you've just capitulated your minds went rather yeah. than what you know you're able to do on the pitch so yeah if they can be more competitive maybe claim one big scalp then I can see them it's a, being boosted a change in mentality you mentioned uh, yeah you mentioned that mentality is there because it's I think what was a kind of feature of a lot of those beatings was the goals seemed to come in bursts where it was they yeah. would, Celtic would lose one and then suddenly mm-hmm. it's two and three that I suppose that that needs to stop as well doesn't it <laughs> Yeah. You said that, that, that it's like as you said that I think that does come down to a mentality thing, doesn't yeah, it? You can see that that's ahead rather than their ability out there. They've, they've completely. You can see them being completely overawed by PSG. You could see it um, in your Man Cities, and um, hopefully that needs to stop. Because I thought after an invincible season they would really be, you know, chess out and yeah. and really confident in themselves. But it's so hard when you're coming up against teams that spend that kind of money and have those kind of stars. It's so hard not to be dazzled and have... Because uh-huh. um, there was actually a fair amount of optimism, I remember, going into that first PSG game, and then afterwards it was you know it was back down to earth. Where yeah, it was a, a rude awakening, wasn't uh-huh. it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and as we say as well, the, the qualifiers starting so early this year, there's the, the chance that Celtic could be without um, a few players... Um, because these kind of these qualifiers are going to run alongside the World Cup, um, so it's the, the the first Champions League, the, the first qualifying rounds aren't really ever presenting much of a problem. I know had they had the Gibraltar yeah. result, but that was you know that was a complete um, freak. But is it, are these uh, these games coming so early? Is it a chance for you know the guys who don't always play to make an early? An early impression. Aye, it's a chance. Celtic would be a lot more bothered if Scotland had qualified this summer. <laughs> but um, now there's obviously Celtic should be able to get through the first couple of rounds without Tom Rogic and Boyata. You know, uh-huh. So it should be fine. Um, so if the players can get themselves into good nick for the World Cup finishing and come back after the wee break, then it's full steam ahead. Um, I don't see any. Like Celtic have had some tough draws, sure, with Rosenborg yeah, and then. Bersheva and uh, Astana have done it the hard way at times maybe this new qualifying will suit Celtic and like to do it the hard way Yeah. but um, yeah Celtic should have what it takes to at least reach the third or the playoff round without relying on their heavy hitters yeah I would like I would like to think so anyway 
If you want to check out uh, how Celtic can make it to the, the Champions League qualifiers, we've done a full feature on the Daily Record website. It takes you through the, the qualifying stages step by step. Uh, that's all from us this week. I want to thank Kirsty and Andy for joining me. Uh, and if you want to continue the debate, you can find us on Twitter at Record Sport and we're on Facebook as well. We'll be back next week to talk all things Celtic. So don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Acast to get the podcast as soon as it's available and you can also rate us on there too. Thanks for listening.